horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. We try to bring you the most information from coast to coast as fresh as we can keep it without missing the headlines. Of course, one thing we want to do is make you money. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by telling you to go on over to our sponsor, winningponies.com, and see what's going on. It's like, uh, it's one thing to listen to John. It's another thing. I'm going to take a look at some of these hits that these guys say they've had. Well, they're posted right there, and uh, they we continue to do very, very well at tracks throughout the, the country. The, the, the middle of the country was awful good to us this week. Uh, the horseshoe, uh, you may recall last week we had some nice hits there. That's Indianapolis. And, uh, but uh, we had two hits there. We had a 50-cent pick five that paid 4600 and a 50-cent pick four. Uh, these were on the same day that paid 2261 And also we had uh, double digits uh, hit, hits at uh, Mountaineer Park. Um, one was just two days ago, and that was a $1 super uh, that paid 3400 And also at Mountaineer, the following day, we had a $1 super that paid, paid 2744 But you don't need to be having me recite these things. Go on over to winningponies.com. Pull down your easy win forms. You are going to need them this weekend. That's right. You're not handicapping the standouts for the Breeders' Cup. These horses are coming from all over the place. I'll get to the races we're going to talk about in just a minute. But before we do, so lucky to land this guest. And it was uh, just kind of on a whim. I said, you know, it's been a while since we talked to Jay Privman. Jay's probably busy getting ready for all of his Breeders' Cup, uh, you know, appearances and things he has to do, columns he has to write. And uh, let me just see, you know, we're a couple of weeks out from the Breeders' Cup. Let me give, uh, let me, let me check Jay and see what he's doing. Well, just before I called him, I, I went and I went up on Twitter and I see that uh, in his bio it was Jay Privman retired from the daily racing forum. Yes, retired. I'm like, oh, well, we've got to get Jay on now and take a walk down memory lane. Um, I didn't know this was in the works. Obviously, it was. So uh, when I went to call him uh, a few nights ago, where was he? But at the Padres game. So he's already enjoying life uh, in the other side, shall we say. So we're going to get to talk to Jay Privman. And before we talk to Jay, uh, actually, after we talk to Jay, uh, one of my favorite guests, whenever we've got action in the mid-Atlantic area, we pull down Tom Lamara. Uh, you know, Tom was a good friend of mine when he was the national news editor at the Blood Horse in Lexington, Kentucky. Well, he's kind of, you know, doing similar things, uh, you know, writing stories that, that kind of unearth gems people behind the scenes only it's more on a regional uh program with the maryland of virginia breads well this is the week if you've got one of those mid-atlantic thoroughbreds uh that uh, you want to be 
at the races at Laurel. And uh, because this is Maryland Millions Day, <clears throat> and uh, it's uh, it's a pretty amazing menu uh, for those of you uh, that are going to be playing. I mean, uh, we've got uh, the races start at 11.30 in the morning, and there's 12 of them. Eight of them are stakes races. So I just asked uh, Tom Lamara to pick the three stakes that he, he liked. We want the three highest purses so we'll be doing races six nine and eleven all hundred thousand dollar plus stakes races from laurel uh, when we start uh, handicapping here so in addition to what is going on at laurel we want to tell you it's not the only racing quality racing in the country this week as saturday the Hill Prince, a grade two at Aqueduct. It's a mile and an eighth for turf for the three-year-olds. That's headed up by Doug O'Neill's McKinnon. Uh, then at Aqueduct, you got one mile on the turf at Aqueduct. It's the Noble Damsel. That's a grade three, of course. Look for Chad Brown to be near the top. His Florida Oaks winner, Domain Expertise, expected to head up that field. Then uh, back at Keeneland, it is the Raven Run, seven furlongs. Three-year-old fillies, horses they figured out, maybe don't want to go two turns, but seven furlongs is right up there. Then on Sunday, it's the Dowager, a grade three at Keeneland. That's another one of those long grass races, a mile and a half on the turf. All right, our jockey of the week, Johnny V. John Velasquez wins graded stakes races at Keeneland and Aqueduct. Man, I'd like to have his frequent flyer models. Uh, he just uh, he shuffles off and keeps winning and winning. This week it was a grade two and a grade three. On Friday, Grand Motion gave him the leg up at Highland Chief to take the grade three Sycamore for three-year-olds at a mile and a half at Keeneland. And then it was onto the plane and off to the Big A Saturday for his mount on skims for Hall of Fame trainer Shug McGahee in the grade two Sands Point for three-year-old fillies. So uh, if you think about the Sands Point, special race for Velasquez, who won the very first running with Perfect Sting back in 99 and also won it six years later on Malhor Ainda. So congratulations to Johnny V. And I guess you could say congratulations to our friend Michael Blowen at Old Friends Farm because uh, they have brought in some serious star appeal. You won't get to see their new resident until after the Breeders' Cup. Hmm, who might that be, you say, John? Well, it's the horse that's going to parade Hot Rod Charlie to post. One of my favorite horses of all time, none other than Lavamon. That's right. Doug O'Neill has decided, you know, it's time for him to take stage someplace else. Uh, he's done it uh, on the track in the afternoons as a racehorse. He's done it on the mornings, bringing the horses out to their morning works and the after, parading certain of his better horses to the bigger races. So Lava Man, who's really uh, Lava Man, I mean, no way I'm giving you the Jamaican version there. But uh, so uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he'll be leaving this, uh, this stable pony, and uh, so you'll get a chance to to see him at the Breeders' Cup, taking Hot Rod Charlie to post. After that, it's on a van, and 
over to Byers Road, Old Friends Farm. So that will be his final assignment. Of course, Doug had great uh, words for him. Don't forget, that they took this horse out of, I believe it was a $50,000 claimer. And uh, his career, 47 starts, that's Hickory, 17, 8, and 5, a record of 5268000 not a bad catch at the claim box. Uh, they nicknamed him Coach because he used to help all the young horses uh, You know when they went to post in the O'Neill's barn. And uh, he did most of his winning on the West Coast, but uh, he's a real character. And he'll be a, certainly a welcome addition uh, to old friends, that's for sure. All right, it's that time of year where we announce uh, – the new stallion fees. People are getting ready to set up their breedings. Uh, they might be picking up a mare at some of these mixed sales. Where do I go? What's it going to cost? Well, I'm just going to give you some of the highlights, folks, because these are things we dream about, like lottery tickets. So, <laughs> all right, a Spendthrift Farm into mischief, a mere quarter million dollars. Derby winner Authentic is going to be seventy thousand. Uh, Jackie's Warrior fifty thousand. A Bolt Dioro thirty five thousand. Dying to see this guy's babies, Omaha Beach. He's going to stay at 30000 So those are the, the, the heavy hitters at Spendthrift. And then if you want to go over to Claiborne, very modestly priced horses. Their heavy hitter there, of course, is Warfront. He'll stay at $100,000. Uh, but then there are other horses like Blame. He's... Uh, uh, that's twenty thousand uh, dollars. The promising Catholic boy. He's he's at twenty. Very evenly priced horses. Of course, War Will. He's remaining too at twenty five thousand. That's Claiborne Farm. They're trying to just get up to bat and get hits. They're not worried about the occasional home run. They've done successfully for so many years. And then Curlin leads the roster at Hill and Dale. Only $225,000 to get to him. Well, I see from my producer that we've got Jay Privman on standby. So uh, the heck with last week's results. Let's wind this segment up uh, with other than saying that we're going to have one of the greatest turf riders of all time bless our airwaves in just a few minutes here. Uh, the uh, Cliffs Award-winning writer, multiple Red Smith Award-winning uh, author, none other than Jay Privman, will be joining us. I'm John Engelhart. Quick break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with us now, one of my favorite people in racing. He's graced these airways for so many times over the years. Never too big to hang out with a regular guy. Jay Privman, thanks for joining us again, and uh, welcome to a more relaxed view of the world of racing, I understand. <laughs> hey, John, yeah, no, it's Good to be with you, and I'm, I'm getting used to the new uh, new normal, having retired about seven weeks ago now and really uh, enjoying it, still following the game, not as closely as I did when I was on deadline every day, but you know, still following it and looking forward to the Breeders' Cup in a couple of weeks, and hopefully I'll see you there. You know, it was funny when when I reached out to you the other night and you, you were at the Padres game. It reminded me of, of something that happened in my career. Uh, you know, I went from the day-to-day 35-year grind at the racetrack um, to a uh, an executive position in racing. And I found myself on Memorial Day at the Dayton Dragons ballpark sitting in a box seat. And all of a sudden I realized – man, I'm not down at the track giving out free T-shirts. It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like for the first time in 30 years, it's like it's a holiday and I don't have to be at the racetrack. I can actually see how the other half lives. Isn't there some kind of an emotional deep breath when, when you sit back? Maybe you haven't felt it yet, Jay. Seven weeks is a short amount of time for somebody that's been doing something most of his adult life. In, in that context, yeah, it's it's a short time, but this is something, John, that I had planned on doing for a while, and I was ready to do it. So it wasn't something that you know came across suddenly or something like that. I was I was ready and and uh, you know mentally uh, ready to, to to move on, and was happy to be able to do the Triple Crown again this year after not being able to do it the two previous years for different reasons and. Uh, and then I wanted to finish up at Del Mar uh, this summer because that was the track that I first went to as a kid and and then obviously went down that path and was able to turn a childhood fandom into a career. So uh, so even though I've only been retired for seven weeks, it's something that I mentally was ready for for a while. And so I think the adjustment, at least so far, has been easier than somebody might expect just looking from outside the situation. You know, I, I did something rather cathartic myself this summer. I, I got in the car and I, I drove uh, from Ohio to uh, Saratoga by way of uh, Cooperstown. And, and I went to the track, not with 
any press credentials or anything. I just went back to kind of, uh, shall I say, as corny as it sounds, relive my youth. Uh, I, I went to the same picnic table I used to go to with my family. I, I stood under uh, what is now obviously a newer canopy, but it's in the same general place where you used to watch the replays because it was hard to get from one place to another. And it was just kind of neat. Went up to the, to the seats in the grandstand that we used to sit in. And it was kind of neat, like, just kind of taking the game in and every once in a while I'd catch myself like, Oh shit, I'm supposed to get a photo or do I need to go down to get a quote? Or there's a story for next week. That, 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 that's a little bit hard to reel in after all the emotional years you've spent on the edge of your seat, looking for your next story or getting to report uh, on something that's about to happen in front of your eyes. That's true. Uh, I've, uh, last week, in fact, I, I went to the Padre game last Friday night as well like, during the Dodgers series, and somebody said, like, uh, oh, it's really cool that you get to go. And I was like, yeah. I said, you know, I wouldn't be able to go if I was still working because I would have to be getting up early Saturday morning to go watch Flightline workout. Uh, so that was just one example of being able to do something that I wouldn't have been able to do if I was still working. I think, John, I've been thinking about the the, the one – one thing that's going to feel, I don't know, different, I, I'm not going to say weird, but certainly different will be this year. I'm going to the Breeders' Cup for fun, just as a fan, and it'll be kind of interesting. They'll run the Classic, which I wrote the recap of the Classic, you know, 23 of the last 24 years, only I didn't do the one uh, uh, at Keeneland a couple of years ago because I didn't travel because of COVID then. Right. Uh, It'll be funny. It'll be funny when that race is run to just leave and not have to <laughs> interview people and then write a story and, and, and all that normally comes with that. So that'll be different and hopefully enjoyable. Uh, Jay, where will you be watching the races? Are you going with friends? Or are you still going to utilize your lifelong turf credentials? So I've, I've, I've got a credential. I'm going to be doing some radio reports for the radio show that I'm still involved in here in California. Um, but I'm not sure where I'm going to watch the race from yet. Uh, it, it may be from the roof at Keeneland. It may be from the, the apron. I just, I have, it'll really, I think a lot will depend on the weather. Uh, it's yeah. a nice day. I certainly want to be outside. If it's not a nice day, then I'm not going to want to be outside. <laughs> oh, it's not a nice day. I'm going to have to be outside. So, uh, we'll find out what happens, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a coin toss there uh now when what are what are some of the uh, if there are what are some of the stories you wanted to write that either didn't or couldn't is there such a thing you mean over the years or or yeah. i'm not quite understanding the context of your question to be honest well i you know i i, I guess when i look out there sometimes there's you know somebody that works in the track kitchen that I'd like to maybe write a story about or something, but there's just not room to, f to fit it in. You meet so many interesting people and it's just like, you just can't write a story about all, all of them. And, um, I'm not sure where I was going. My question other than, uh, do you ever look back and go, gee, I, I, I wish I'd written a story about Smokey Joe. I mean, there's certainly lots of people that it would have been nice to be able to write stories about, you know, just using the, um, the example you just gave, there's a woman who's worked at uh, Clocker's Corner in the morning, uh, Rosie Ibarra, who's been there forever, who would have been a fun person to write a story on that I just 
that you know it just never worked out with what we need to do for the racing form it it got more and more over the years just wanting it to be sort of nuts and bolts information on the card that's coming up or that was just run which is which is fine i mean that's what the racing form is there for but there we we were doing less and less kind of personal profiles or features of people who are not directly involved in the day-to-day race card uh and that you know so there there's that but i i can't say there's any thing that i'm i, I walked away from going gosh i wish i'd have I'd have done that. It, 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 I, I feel unfulfilled or with, with my career that I didn't get to that. There's nothing that I could cite in that, in that context. Well, because of the, the work, the, the foundation that you laid for yourself, you really did have uh, a red carpet uh, to the wind circle and, and the backstretch areas of, of some of the greatest people uh, that ever took part in our sport, Jay. Over the years you've been there, and I'm not calling you an old man, but you got to be there for what I would like to call some of our heydays. No, that's true, and I, I feel extremely fortunate that I was able to go to so many Kentucky Derbies and, you know, 39 of the last 41 Kentucky Derbies and uh, every Breeders' Cup but the one at Keeneland two years ago, uh, starting with the very first one back in 1984 and been to a number of international races. So I was able to do a lot. And like you were just saying, I was able to cover a lot of top people who, you know, many of whom aren't here anymore. Think of people like Charlie Whittingham and, Bobby Frankel and Laz Barrera, trainers like that, and Alan Jerkins and uh, P.G. Johnson, you know, who I all all of whom I knew well and enjoyed dealing with. Rick Violet, you know, they're not they're not here anymore, and you know that that kind of marks the passage of time. And I'm fortunate that I was able to at least cover those people, but I wish I wish they were still here. Now. Uh- you you were there again during a period of time when I, I just thought the, the 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 jockeys colony was like a murderer's row out there. Uh, what was that like being surrounded by such outstanding talent as Holly McCarran, Shoemaker? I, I could go on, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, to be around these guys that every one of them has kind of become a legend in their own right. Absolutely, you know, Pinkai, Delahousse. Yeah. Gary Stevens, Chris Antley, you know, Garrett Gomez, um, there were you know, on and on. The, the the riding colony out here, Alex Solis, you know, Fernando Toro, even back when I started, uh, it was the riding colony out here in the in, in the mid '80s was as good as it's ever been anywhere at any time. Uh, just so many of those guys have gone on to the Hall of Fame, and it was great dealing with them and and even some of the guys who weren't who aren't in the hall of fame but were top riders and maybe were eighth or tenth in the standings but you know, like a guy like race the bill was a terrific rider yeah uh, you know pe- people like that uh and they were and they were a good group to deal with too i mean even though they were uh you know, the best in the business they always felt like i had they had time for me and uh and i you know i i really enjoyed covering that group then for sure now in in the group you just mentioned i've had some of on the show and they've talked about some of the things they've done with 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 one another when you were coming up uh perhaps as a younger writer or whatever um have you ever been pranked 
I never got pranked in terms of like a story or anything like that. Um, you know, Shoemaker was kind of a jokester, and there'd be times where I'd be standing outside the jocks room with my back to the door, and all of a sudden I'd, you know, feel somebody like whack the inside of my leg with their whip lightly, you know, fortunately lightly, <laughs> but they yes. just sort of sneak up on me and do something like that. Uh, but th- th- those were the kinds of things. So no, nobody ever tried to like give me a fake story or, or, and have me go down a, you know, go, go find the key to the quarter pole or, you know, things <laughs> like that, that, that they, they give greenhorns to do. So I never had any, any situations like that that I recall. I think Sandy Hawley told me when he first got there, he put his gear down and went to do whatever he had to do. When he came back, went to put his shoes on and Shoemaker had super glued him to the floor. <laughs> yep. He would do stuff like that. He'd put shaving cream inside them. He'd give them a hot foot, uh, you know, where he'd light a match inside their shoe. I mean, he he, oh. he was, it, I mean, he was the, the greatest at the time and yet he was he just he really just wanted to be one of the guys and would go out of his way to be like the prankster uh he he was he, he was a very mischievous in a fun way person now how about lafitte pinkai uh he, he my outside view of him and you got to know him personally uh he seemed as though he was always a thinking and almost like a spiritual man yeah, very becalmed. You know, he would not get too high or too low, uh, no matter what he did. You know, he's the best rider I've ever seen in all my years. I, I, I and I, and that's no disrespect to anybody else that anybody would lobby for. Uh, you know, Angel Cordero or or Chris McCarron or anybody else you'd want to put up there. But for me, Pinkai's the best I've ever seen, and always professional. And at the time I covered him, went through some real horrible personal uh, situations with his who, his wife who passed away and things of that nature. And I just always found him to be uh, incredibly gracious and accommodating. All right. But just saying these names and you knew him on a first name basis, that's pretty impressive. Well, you, you brought up Charlie Whittingham. I know he's been, he's been uh, uh, always when we talk about great people in the game, you bring his name up. Uh, tell us about one or two other trainers that maybe you developed a relationship with over the years. Well, I mean, the the guys that I knew best over the years, uh, going back to when I started, um, you know, uh, John Gosden was just starting his career, and he was, I was very close with him and still am, even though obviously he's been back in England now for over 30 years. Uh, and Eddie Gregson, who won the first derby that I ever covered back in 1982 with Gato del Sol, uh, he was terrific. And unfortunately, you know, he passed away. It's been more than 20 years now. Um, but Ron McAnally is someone I've been close to. Neil Drysdale, uh, you know, those guys are still around, fortunately. I got along extremely well with Bobby Frankel. Uh, always enjoyed dealing with him. You know, and, and Whittingham, like you said, I mean, he had a murderer's row of horses back in the uh, in, in the day and won two derbies during the time that I covered him. And he, he's, you know, people say, who's the best trainer you've ever seen. I mean, he would be, he would be the one I would put at the, at the top of the charts. 
Boy, the names you're dropping, you know, I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're breathing rarefied air out there at uh, Santa Anita. I do believe, I think it was one of the articles that you, you still believe in all the tracks you've been to all over the world that without a doubt, it's most beautiful place to take in a race. I, yeah, I, I believe that. I mean, just when you sit in the stands there and it's a clear day and you've got those mountains and the palm trees in the infield. You know, coming down that downhill turf course, I I can't think of a a better scene in all of racing than than that. And there's other places that are terrific. I mean, it's beautiful. Watching a race at Keeneland is beautiful. And I'll tell you what's extremely underrated place that people don't ever mention, but Hastings Park in Vancouver has a beautiful backdrop. But for me, of all the places I've been, and I've seen racing here and in Ireland and England and Australia and Hong Kong and Japan, uh, the, the Santa Anita view is, is, is number one. Well, uh, Jay, uh, Perfman, the, the, the word's going to get out that, uh, you're not going through your, your weekly, uh, exercises and performing your duties with the racing form. Uh, have you a been approached by anybody else and B do you have anything sitting in the back of your head saying, I always kind of wish I wrote a book on blank. I, I don't have any desire to write a book, so I'll, I'll answer your questions in reverse order. Um, that's okay. I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know that that's, you know, I mean, maybe that'll change down the line, but I've never really had a desire to, to do something like that. Um, uh, other than the things that I've done already, you know, Breeders' Cup book um, or, uh uh, the Delmar book that I did uh, for their 75th anniversary about going back about 10 years ago now, and then contributing to the racing forms book, the Antho- champions, but there's nothing besides that, that I'm itching to do. And then in terms of work, you know, like, like I've told people, I didn't retire in order to go look for more work. Uh, <laughs> there might be some one-off projects that I end up doing, and there might be some things that, you know, that sound appealing to do on an occasional basis, but I'm, I didn't retire from the racing forum to then start looking around to find another job. I'm very content with this. And if there's occasional little opportunities to dip my toe in for, you know, a day or two here and there, then that's something that I might be interested in, but, but I'm not, I'm not looking to, to go back to work regularly at, at all. I'm very content with, with the decision that I made. Those are, those are great words to hear, Jay. They really are because, you know, we all got to take a step back, you know? Uh, okay. I'm not sitting on that doorstep, but I got to realize there's only eight furlongs in life's race. Okay. At least right. I'll say that. I'll say that's my distance. And you, you know, man, I, I had a really good first seven furlongs and it's like <laughs> w- w- why don't we just enjoy that and and take all the moments and all the people we would let along the way and and the joy we had and just kind of l- let that warm us through that final final furlong hopefully we got enough of a lead to you know keep the bad guys off our heels there as we hit the line but you, you know it's just like i don't know about you but i've, I've got a whole lot of i'm gonna get to that's that I just haven't gotten to. And all of a sudden I'm saying, hey, guess what, pal? You only got that furlong left. You better friggin' do that. No, I, I completely understand that sentiment. It's something that 
dr- helped drive my decision to retire at, at 62. Uh, I, I didn't want to do the same thing for another three or five more years. And then if God forbid, as you know, I had a pretty serious health problem last year, and, you know, I'm good now and hopefully it'll, I'll stay good and nothing will ever rear its ugly head again. But I would really regret if God forbid something happened three to five years from now and all I did is work and I didn't take advantage of the opportunity that I've got now to take a step back and to do some traveling at times of year and, and, and more extensively than I am able to do or was able to do when I was beholden to the, uh, the whims of, of the, the racing season. And it was great to be able to do all that. I mean, how fortunate was I to cover all those triple crowns and derbies and breeders cups and all that. But I really, what you just expressed, John was something that entered into the equation of my deciding it was time to, to move on and step away and, and, and not work anymore and do things that, like you say, you put off and put off and before you know it, you can't do it. Well, I don't want to be, for instance, so broken down that I can't go to Machu Picchu. You know, I want to do it when I'm still healthy enough to, to do something like that. So those are, those are, uh, those are definitely things that entered into the thought process on deciding to retire now. Well, great mental attitude. I I love it. And let's face it, for somebody that's just used to getting on the same bicycle every day, it's kind of tough to all of a sudden go down a different street. But I think think we'll both find out it's really enjoyable, and there's probably things we didn't take the time to see because we're too busy getting to where we had to be. And, you know, there's all these – I agree. (laughs) And, and it's time we sat back and kind of enjoyed the fruits of our labor. And a, a big part of that would be, you know, in, enjoying the people you've met along the way, the friendships you've made, and then savoring those great moments that uh, your life has allowed you to be exposed to. Exactly. And I'm, you know, I'm still going to be around at some of the big events, but, but just as a fan, like I told people, I'm retiring from working, but I'm not retiring from my friends. So I'm looking forward to going to the Breeders' Cup as a fan. I won't have to be out there on dawn patrol if I want to get out there at 8.30 or 9 and go visit with some people towards the end of training. I can do that. I don't have to be there at 5 or 5.30 for for all the workouts. Uh, but I can still see people that, you know, when you, as you know, having done it for as long as you have and I have, we have a lot of friends that we've met through this business and that we want to stay in touch with, even if our uh, role in terms of what we're doing changes. Beautifully put. Jay Privman, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm going to miss you in print, but I'm really happy you're doing what you're doing. And you know what? I'm going to be able to track you down and say hi every once in a while. And I'm looking forward to every chance I get to do that. Jay Privman. Thanks for a being on Winning Ponies, and B, over the years, uh, being able to call you a friend has been a real uh, pleasure and a privilege in my life. Well, I feel the same way about you, John. You've been great to me over the years, and I, I really appreciate all your friendship going back to you know days when you would host me and Dave Grenning and Mike Welsh the weekend before the Derby, and we'd come up to, at the time, it's called River Downs and yeah. races and those kinds of things. Yeah, so and I'll look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at the Breeders' Cup. I'll be there. I look forward to it. Uh, thanks so much, Jay. And, hey, enjoy yourself. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, John. All right. Jay Privman.
so happy to get him on the air, and I'm sure it won't be the last time we hear from Jay, but until then, I hope he's enjoying his uh, days in retirement, though I'm sure they won't be wasted. All right, we got a guy that's not retired. He's covering all the action in the Mid-Atlantic, and he's going to be able to give us the scoop on what's going on on Maryland Million Weekend, none other than Tom Lamara. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share any questions we would be happy to answer contact us now back to the show Winning Ponies with John Inglehart All right. Well, we just finished up with this segment with Jay Privman, and now back to one of my other favorite turf riders on the national racing scene, none other than Tom Lamara. Tom, thanks for joining us. You know, he joined us for so many years uh, when he was based in Lexington. I've hunted him down. He's there in Timonium, Maryland, and uh, he uh, has been... uh, Working there, helping the bringing information to the the, the horseman uh, as the director of communications and backstretch services for the Maryland Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association. So, Tom, you're kind of tied in with that whole Mid Atlantic section. So, uh, a lot of action there. First of all, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much, man. It's nice to talk to you again. Hey, you know, uh, speaking of some of my favorite turf riders over the years, yeah, we, we just got off the line w- w- with Jay Privman. Uh, who who were some of you, when you got into the game, um, and you and I are within a decade or so of our age, uh, who were some of your favorite racing riders? Well, when I, when I got started, uh, I think, I, let me see, we moved to Kentucky in 1994, 
Um, I had started working for the racing form in New Jersey, and they closed the office, so I got transferred. But uh, Jay was around for sure. I, uh, I'm sure I met Jay not long after that. Um, Jenny Reese uh, was a big help to me. Uh, she was working at the Louisville Courier Journal then. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the racing form writers too, Marty McGee, um, few other people, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, it kind of took off from there. Um, I really wasn't a writer when I started the forum. I was a journalist before that, just covering municipal and county government and politics and stuff. But, you know, look, um, you know, when you cover major events, you see these people on a regular basis and they were all, you know, gracious and they were a big help to me so well it's it's been a pretty good fraternity i haven't run into too many of them that 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 have been bad guys now tom you you gotta walk us through this because uh over the past two years we've heard so many different things about the whole Laurel, Pimlico, Timonium, who's racing, when are they racing, who's under construction. Uh, can you kind of g- just give us a thumbnail sketch of where they are now and where the schedule and, you know, the racing, as far as thoroughbreds are concerned, might might be heading in the mid-Atlantic? Well, I'll try. Uh, I'll try to keep this short because it's really complicated. But, <laughs> That's why I asked um, you. <laughs> no, no, it's it's extremely complicated. But um, as far as Laurel Pimlico go, um, there was legislation that passed in 2020 um, uh, to um, rebuild Laurel and Pimlico, basically, uh, in conjunction because. Um, you can't take one away without having the other open. It's it's that's just how it is, because of stall space and stuff like that. But uh, on September 30th, you know, it's been two years. That actually, it's been more than two years. But the Maryland Stadium Authority and the Maryland Econo- Econ- excuse me Economic Development Corporation turned in reports outlining the status. Some recommendations, they will be turned over. And there's another report coming by January 1st, I guess, that kind of firms up some of the stuff in the latest report. And then it will go to the legislature to decide exactly how it's going to happen. There uh, may be new legislation or they'll update or they'll amend the old legislation. Uh, That part I'm not sure about. But as of now, um, you know, um, nothing has happened. They haven't sold any bonds yet, and apparently a lot of it hinges on the status of the um, the ownership structure of Laurel Park. Well, you know, I've heard different rumors about the moving of the Preakness Stakes. Where is that right now? Was that just a well, the, a sig- well, well, when they uh, when they passed the legislation. The idea was to not to not move the prequels from Pimlico at all and do any construction around the prequels. Honestly, I have no idea where that stands because the project has not unfolded the way that they thought it would. So I'm sure that there's going to be a bunch of different tweaks and changes, and um, there may be more money needed to accomplish everything. Uh, but as of now, I, you know, the 
The 2023 Preakness will be at Pimlico, for sure. And um, the racing schedule from this year will basically mirror the one for 2023, which would mean year-round racing at Laurel and, I guess, May and September at Pimlico, from what I gather. So. Now, is Timonium a, a, a training center, or is it a strip mall? No, it's what not. is Timonium now? No, it's not. Um, Timonium, uh, when, the, uh, <clears throat> when we had issues with the Laurel Park racing surface last year, 2021, uh, horses did have to go to Timonium to stable. They were there for, <clears throat> excuse me, we were there for about three, three and a half months leading into their meet, which is, which is a seven-day meet that surrounds the Maryland State Fair, which will happen again next year, the fair will. But uh, no, no, um, it's not open year-round. Um, the issue with Timonium, and it's not a bad thing, is you know they host some major horse sales, and you and they need stalls whenever they have the horse sale. So Timonium, as far as year-round training, is impossible. Is not possible because of the sales. Okay. Well, that tells us what, that it's all written in sand. <laughs> but other than that, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's all written firmly in sand. If the winds of change come along, we will right. find out. Right. Well, Tom, I, I know that, uh, you know, we relate uh, certainly the Preakness and uh, a lot of the racing in Maryland uh, to an old-time sportscaster and legend in the game, and that's uh, Jim McKay. Now, I, I thought the Maryland Millions, uh, I don't know if that was just the, a race, that there'd be a million-dollar race, was uh, his brainchild. Was what we're going to see on Saturday at Laurel, was this kind of part of the spinoff of Jim McKay's original idea of having a day in the sun for the Maryland Breds? Well, it's still the same kind of a program. Um, and the million was a, a card with all races worth a total of a million dollars. Um, you know, for, you know, some races for two-year-olds, some races for three and off, some turf races and stuff like that. Um, the focus of the Maryland million is, is horses who are sired by Maryland stallions. Um, and that hasn't changed since it started, I think, in 86. Yeah, it, it was founded in 86. The first running was in 86. And, um, no, it's still the same kind of program. Some things have changed. Um, you know, as recently as three, four years ago, if there was a maximum of six uh, horses entered who were by Maryland Stallions, uh, the race closed. So a Maryland bred by a stallion, say a Kentucky Stallion or a West Virginia Stallion or whatever, could not get in. Um, that was expanded to eight, um, I'm thinking maybe three years ago. And, uh, really the card on, <laughs> the card on Saturday is like one of the best ones I've seen. There's only one race limited to eight, which would indicate that the race got opened up to a lot of Maryland breads and the, the cards loaded with 12 to 14 horse fields, which is fantastic. So. I know. I know. It's unbelievable. I want to tell everybody, the action starts at 1130. It'll be a great yeah. uh, day, day to get your teeth in. Now, we do have turf races uh, that are carded, uh, two that I think we're going to look at here in just a little bit. Uh, how's the weather looking down there? Pretty good? Uh, yeah, it's been very, uh, well, 
this morning in Laurel, where I live, it was 34 degrees. Um, we had, no, no, I'm sorry, it was 30. Uh, we actually had some frost, but by Saturday, I think the high is going is, is forecast for 68 with sun. So it should be. It's the week's been great. The turf course was firm today. I'm sure it'll be firm tomorrow and Saturdays. All right. Well, Tom, um, well, I got you, and I know you're you're familiar with the that handicapping out there. But let's get to these great races at Laurel. Uh, we got about two minutes of race here. Uh, heading into the Maryland Million Ladies. This is $125,000 for fillies and mares. We're going on the green nine furlongs, something that they're not asked to do a whole lot in their career. And as you can see, not too many winners at the distance in this field. So, you know, this uh, being a quote, one of the quote, shorter fields, uh, it's still hard to come away with this solid picks in here. Who does Tom Lamar like? Well, yeah, you're right. This race is really competitive. Um, so I'm going to look to the inside here. There are two horses that I like. Uh, number one, my thoughts, who was trained by Tim Willie, who was based at Fairhill. Uh, three or, she's a three-year-old, but, um, you know, uh, she's only raced on the turf four times. And if you throw out the five furlong race, um, you know, her three races, round two turns, two at Penn National, which she both won both of them, and one at Laurel where she was second. Um, I, I think she's, I think this might be a good spot for her. What's interesting is um, Ricardo Chiappi, the jockey who's named to ride, uh, he used to ride here about three, four years ago regularly, but he doesn't. He's a Penn guy. And, uh, but will he... Wooly has named him to ride, and he was aboard for her two turf wins. And I just, she drew the inside. She's got some early speed. She can stay close. I think she's dangerous. And then Maldives model the two, who is actually stable at Penn. She's a very, very nice turf filly. Tyler Connor does ride at Laurel a lot more often, and um, she, uh, she almost won her only Laurel turf race. So those are the two that I'm looking at. All right, six to one and five to two. That's a, the Maryland Million Ladies, the sixth race. Then moving up to the ninth race, uh, this is the Maryland Millions turf, and several uh, of these runners are coming back for another try. And the winners of this race, the last two years, will also be in the starting gate. So, with all that said, another wide open affair with a lot of betting opportunities. Tom. Yeah, this is. Uh... Uh, what is the 13, 14 horse? That's, yeah. It's the 13 horse field. That's probably because of the configuration of the turf courses. That's not 14. Um, I could be wrong. Laurel has like six turf courses, depending on where the rail is. But, um, you know, this race really, I, this race is wide open. I, I, I uh, number seven midnight hauler. I, I see is seven to two in the morning line, which is interesting. Uh, trained by Bernie Houghton, comes in from Penn National. Um, you know, the horses run exceptionally well on the grass, but not at Laurel. So there's kind of a question mark. He is a Pennsylvania bred, but he's by a Maryland stallion, so he qualifies. Um, the winner of his last race by land by sea um, just won a dirt stakes at Parks on Monday by about five or six lengths. Um, so I, I, you know, I would look at a horse like that. The rest of them, you know, they're kind of in and outers. Uh, number eight cannons roar is eight years old. 
He's come close in these Maryland Million races, and he hasn't come through. But, you know, Sheldon Russell is back aboard again. And he's coming out of a really good race at Pimlico, won by English Tavern, um, who has really gotten pretty good and has moved up the allowance level on the grass. All right. Again, we're talking with, uh, with, with Tom Lamara. And uh, he's uh, with the Maryland Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, Director of Communication and Backstretch Services. But he's also a longtime handicapping pal. And they're telling me, I got two minutes to post before I am out of here. Who do you like in the classic? What can I say? It sounds like a broken record. Another wide open event. It's a lot of speed in here, Tom. Yeah, yes, there is. And the winner of the race last year is Prendimi, who is number 10. Uh, in Saturday's race, he's 20 to one. Um, but, you know, uh, he wasn't supposed to win last year, so, uh, nothing would surprise me, but, you know, notice the seven to five favorite is an alternate because he is not Maryland Sired. He's by Curlin Cordmaker, who pr- probably one of the best horses to race, uh, Maryland breads to race in Maryland for the past three or four years. If he gets in and, and, and we don't know until we get scratches. If Cordmaker gets in, he hasn't raced since February, but he has been working really well for his comeback. Certainly would need to look at him, but taking Cordmaker out of it, the horse that um, that I like is Vance Scholars. Um, uh, trainer Del Capuano was trying to get him on the grass multiple times, and it didn't work out. The races came off. The first time, he ended up winning uh, a mile and a 316th dirt race at Laurel when it came off the turf. Um, his turf race, actually, the Virginia Derby was not very good, but he did get used up in a pace. Then he ran second in a mile and a half dirt race. It was off the turf. His last race was probably his best. He, he was challenged early, got used up and he fought back and finished third, only beating a leg. I think Vance Scholars is probably worth a bet in the race. Well, he'll be praying for rain, and uh, he'll be stepping up a little bit here. It's, uh, no he's rain. A, no rain. He's, he, he's a three-year-old take on his elders, but it is that time of year where, where you have to finally do that. Well, Tom Lamara, it has been great having you on the show, as always. I love hearing your voice. Say hello to your lovely wife, Karen, for I me. Will. and. Thank uh you. I hope we get to run to each other live and in person sometime. I know I say that, but ever since you moved away from Lexington, I just don't get to see that pretty face anymore. Yeah, well, hopefully I'll get back for turf. I really want to see the new turf, right, because I spent so much time there and wrote so many stories from that place. I would like to get back and see it. Right down the road from my house. I'll be there if you're there, Tom. Thanks a lot for joining us on Winning Ponies. All right, man. Thank you. Okay, I want to thank Jay Privman, too, very much. It was great talking to him. His first uh, post-retirement interview that I know about. And uh, they're naming a race after him. They're out on the West Coast, deservedly so. So for my producer, Josh Bygosh, everybody associated with Winning Ponies, I thank you very much. I want to remind you on such a wide-open card like we have at Laurel this week, pull down the easy win forms, folks. We have some big ones. So everybody at Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks again for joining us. Stay tuned to the Race of Kings. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. 
Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.